Hello, welcome to the Funk Pieces Podcast. This is your host, Majori. I'm so excited for our special guest today, who is my dear friend, Lisa Kogla. Before we get into the podcast episode, I just want to talk a little bit about her. So she is a passionate and playful 500 ERYT and YACEP Yoga Alliance certified teacher. She has over a decade of yoga experience and has been lucky enough to travel and teach in South America and the Caribbean. Yoga has helped Lisa grow as an individual and has helped her recover from past traumas. Because of yoga, Lisa has been able to manifest a happier and healthier lifestyle. She is currently enrolled in a 200-hour meditation teacher training program, and her goals are to help her students deepen their practice on and off the yoga mat by challenging them to intertwine many different themes of holistic philosophy into their practice. Whether it's through creating online content, holding space for her classes, one-on-one mentoring, or running workshops, Lisa hopes that she can help plant the seeds of meditation healing with her students so they can cultivate a happier and healthier life. So let's get into this podcast episode. So, hey, how are you doing? I am good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited to have you on. And I feel like how we met has been like kind of cosmic. And I I want you to take us through <laughs> our oh. journey of how we met, because I think the story is just so cool. And it's definitely like a modern witchy friendship, like 21st century what's up. Like, so, um, so yeah, I want you to kind of like, I don't know, <laughs> tell me how we met because you would probably describe it better than me. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those weird experiences where um, it's actually the witchiest experience that I've ever had. It's like straight up yeah, it's straight up out of a out of a witch novel, but pretty much I had a dream back in the beginning of this year, January of 2021, and the dream was kind of mismatched in pieces, but one of the pieces I do remember from the dream or subconsciously remembered from this dream was a Vox interview. At the end of the dream, I got a really strong message that says, you need to really embrace your powers as a witch. You really need to take the word back. You really need to own it. And you need to find community and you need to find like other like-minded individuals or coven to Mm -hmm. share this with. And I believe it was, what was it like March or April or like some way? It was April, right? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm on YouTube and this YouTube video pops up and I love Vox and it was something about women of color pretty much taking back the the power within this, within the craft, within and taking back the word witch or bruja or, or whatever it is. And uh, I saw you and it was the same vision. Like it was, I, I don't really understand, I really don't, I'm not understand how to explain it, but it's almost the truth. It was a moment of not understanding what was happening or what I was seeing, but the dream kind of came back to me all full circle. And for anyone who's experienced very strong deja vu of things that haven't happened yet, mm-hmm. it was uncanny. And I was like, this was my dream. This I'm now living the dream. And I saw you and I saw your Instagram and I stalked you because, you know, 21st century. <laughs> normal to see like someone you don't know slide into their dm and i was like um you're gonna think i'm a little bit of a freak but i kind of had a dream about you and this is what the dream was about and i hope you don't think 
I'm odd. And if you think I'm odd, that's totally fine. Like I would think I'm <laughs> odd. And I was just going on and on, like freaking out. But I was like, but something like it was telling me like, we should be friends. <laughs> so, and I love the Vox interview regardless. And you were so amazing. You were so amazing. You were like, oh, honey, you had your first premonition. Like, good job. Congrats. <laughs> you were so amazing. No, in all seriousness, you were so chill. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a premonition. Like, that's cool. And and we should hang out. And and um, I did hang out with you and and like a bunch of a bunch of other uh, a bunch of other witches. And it was beautiful. And I wish I could have stayed for longer but I, I couldn't, I had a work thing the next day, but I just had so much fun with you guys. And, uh, that is the story of how we met. <laughs> of how we met. I know it's, it's such an incredible story. And I just feel like people maybe say, Oh, it was deja vu or whatever, but it was like, it was definitely like a premonition. It was like a very strong thing because you had this even before I even like physically did the interview or like, you know, so it's like, you did kind of see the future. It was pretty crazy. So I don't know. I was just like so amazed by the story you were telling me via DM and also finding out that you were an Aries and biracial. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is like meant to be. This and- is meant to be. <laughs> it's so, it's, you know, and anyone who's like listening to this who has strong premonitions, like you're not alone. Like I've been having them since I was a kid. I actually had, um, how I found my cat was through the same thing. It was a dream. It was a premonition. I woke up and I went on, you know, this specific website, AKA Craigslist. And I was just like, (laughs) and I just like saw, I saw my cat, the same cat that I had in the dream. And they were Mm -hmm. giving up kittens for adoption. And I was like, uh, is that cat still available? And they're like, yeah, you want her? Come, come take her. And it, that, so if you have premonitions and a strong feeling. Yeah. Just, Mm -hmm. just go for it. You'll make friends. You'll get new pets. It's all good. (laughs) It's all good. And I feel too, like I've always had deja vu. Like I even remember deja vu experiences from when I was in elementary school. Um, That's how strong they've been for me. And it actually, as I've gotten older, the deja vu has been lasting longer. So it'll be like a full, like five minute session of me, like remembering that I like did something, but I'll have like the deja vu, like a month before happens and it will be like a five minute like scene that I'm like witnessing for kind of technically the second time and I'm like oh I already saw this and it's gotten to a point where it's like full emails that I've written and it's like oh my god I remember writing this and it's like a paragraph long and that's how long like the deja vu has been so it's just like crazy how I don't know really what it is. I mean, of course, there's like scientists, oh, that's, you know, why this, 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 but there's something more spiritual to it. You know, it's unexplainable. Yeah, it is. It's extremely unexplainable. Trust me. Like I've Googled, I've Googled as much (laughs) as I possibly could. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, short from you're dying or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's always always, always you're dying. It's like you're dying. Um, Yeah, there's really no explanation, but it does happen. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm just happy that it manifested our friendship. So I know, I know. It's such an awesome story. So before I jump in all about the yoga and the meditation work that you do. I want to talk a little bit about astrology. Um, <laughs> so I mentioned yes. before that you're an Aries like me. What is your moon and your rising sign in your top three? I'm a double Sagittarius. So I'm an Aries, Sagittarius, Sagittarius. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. So much fire energy. Like, how do you handle that? Like, are you all over the place all the time? Or I do yoga. Okay. Oh yeah. There we go. There we go. (laughs) It's like, I was born with too much fire and I was getting like burnt out by the age of four. And I was like, there has to be something that doesn't make me feel so exhausted all the time. But um, my, my, as you know, uh, my, my boyfriend's a Capricorn and he's a Sagittarius Pisces and he just grounds me. And I love, I guess that's how I deal with it. I surround myself with really grounded mm-hmm. earth people, which, cause you're a Capricorn rising, I believe, um, or Cap- moon. Or moon. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. So <laughs> it's like, I love, what's your rising majority? Uh, Libra. Oh yes. Yes. Okay. 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 Yes. It's. <laughs> <laughs> so you're my mom and my boyfriend and me <laughs> all in one it was person meant to be for us to be was, so balance right? is the elements <laughs> exactly so yeah I just surround myself with grounding energy and grounding people because I think I read that once about the um aware self-aware Aries there's like a self-aware sign where you're at your best as the sign and you realize what you need the opposite of and mm-hmm. I really resonated with that because I'm like I can't unless it's like an Aries with an earth sign or a water, if it's like an Aries or a fire sign with like a double air sign or double fire, it's like really hard for me to always have patience. Mm -hmm. I need like grounding, grounding energy. So I think that's another reason. Surround yourself with grounding people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like um, I never understood my Capricorn moon until I got older. I, I always was like, oh, I want to be more fiery. I want to be more Aries. I want to be more Sagittarius, like, you know, the real like fire signs. And I always felt, I was like, why am I so kind of like not all over the place? I'm like more organized or I guess you can say the word is grounded. And I kind of fought against that part of my identity. And then now I'm like, you know what? I actually enjoy the Capricorn energy um, in my chart. And I do find myself, like majority of my friends are earth signs or um, air signs. And I definitely feel like the elements in your chart are compatible with the friendships and the relationships that you make throughout your life. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's like, you know, I really do believe in that opposites attract. And I love mm-hmm. that you embraced your, you know, Capricorn side because it's so refreshing when I'm like running around being an Aries, like my head, like running around with a chicken without a head. And then there's like an Aries with an earth or water to be like, we just do this. And, and this is how the problem gets solved. One, two, three, we're done. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> Meanwhile, if I'm with an air sign, the air sign's like, put fire on it. And I'm like, okay. Just put more fire on it. It's just everything burns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's also why I love my, you know, my Aquarius friends. And it just, you add, it adds a little bit more of like fun to your life. But I think for me, when it comes to home, I need a little bit more mm-hmm. grounding energy. So I'm happy you embrace that because I love that about you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so what do you think is the best part about being an Aries? There's a lot. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. See, we're super biased. We're super biased. That's what it is. It's like, so what do you love? What's the best part about being an Aries? Being an Aries. And it's such Mm -hmm. an Aries answer too. It's like, why are you questioning me? Um, I actually have embraced righteous anger. Mm -hmm. Like Aries Mm -hmm. is the type to be at the forefront of the revolution. 
We yes. may get shot. We may get our heads chopped off, <laughs> but we are like propelling the revolution. We are like the best VP. We are like the fire that ignites. And we also have, we have, <laughs> we have very little bullshit tolerance. And mm-hmm. I love that about an Aries because we can smell bullshit from a mile away and be like, no, this is, this is the real authentic stuff. Mm-hmm. And the righteous anger, which sometimes people think like, oh, anger or rageaholic. Like I'm not talking about the anger that someone cut you off and you get out of your car and smash their window in with a baseball bat. Like I'm talking <laughs> about like getting organized anger. Like we need mm-hmm. to do something about this. We need radical change. And I feel like Aries is the type of sign to do that. So I think those are the two best things about an Aries. I love that you said that about like the righteous anger, because I feel that like with all the astrology memes and you know how astrology is like so oversaturated right now through social media, they're always trying to portray Aries as like mean and aggressive and, you know, anger issues, anger management, whatever. And it's not (laughs) true because actually it takes a lot for an Aries to go off on you. Um, It takes bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. It takes bullshit, like repeated bullshit over and over and over. Yeah. (laughs) And what people understand is that the Aries anger, it lasts like five seconds compared to like a Scorpio or like a Taurus, like they hold grudges. It's a difference. Like Aries, they don't (laughs) hold grudges. Like we say what we got to say and it is done just like that. And then we've like moved on. Like we don't hold it, you know? Like, so there is, I think definitely, it says a lot to that, but I feel that we are the ones who are the pioneers, the innovators, the leaders, the warriors. So we are going to have the balls to do something about being, you know, oppressed or when there's injustice and unfairity, like we mm-hmm. will fight and then people follow us. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's safe to fight because someone had the balls to do it. And exactly. so it's like, yeah, it's okay. Exactly. It's always like Scorpio's in the back of the revolution, like trying to see what Aries is doing. It's like, is, are they, are they going to, oh yeah, they're going to, are, are they going to live? Oh, they're actually living. Okay. That's like cool. And like Gemini's the one to come and like <laughs> maybe explode the situation. Yeah, it's <laughs> <explode. like> Leroy <laughs> Jenkins. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like this, Mm-mm. it's a very, yeah, it's a meme. But anyway, it's like coming in and being like kind of destroying maybe some of the order <laughs> a little bit. At least that's my experience with Gemini's. I don't think all mm-hmm. Gemini's because I have a Gemini Taurus best friend. And I, mm-hmm. but again, the Taurus, it's kind of that grounding sign. The groundingness, yeah. 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 So they're also like, but again, air signs are your best friends because they'll be like, mm-hmm. you'll be like, I really want to set that on fire. And they'll give you all the ways to set it on fire. <laughs> we do, And they'll um, join you too in setting the fire. Like that's the thing. It's like, we need the, the air signs because they're the ones that will help the cause. Like we're going to start exactly. the cause, but we need people to like help us and follow us. And so it's definitely, it's a great relationship. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, yeah, yeah. Being Aries <laughs> is awesome. And I love it. And it's really and we're crazy. the first sign. <laughs> we're the you first know? sign. Yeah. Yes. Like it's weird because it's we're the first sign, but we're also like, I'm baby. Like we have like that baby side to us. And because <laughs> it's like we're trying things for the first time, but there's a lot of innocence and um purity with that mm, so I like that yeah because like there's so many memes it's like the aggressive Aries and then like the I'm baby Aries and I'm like they both fit <laughs> they both, they're the same they're the same like Aries is the baby I think I saw that meme once where it's like Aries is a baby I, I want power like <laughs> you know that's mm-hmm. that's what it is so 
with astrology, like how does that influence your work that you do with yoga and meditation? Are they like interwoven and connected? It's really interesting because in yoga, you still work with the elements. Mm -hmm. For example, when it comes to Ayurveda, Ayurveda is a sister science of yoga where, yeah, you have like Pitta, Kapha, and Vata, Mm -hmm. which is air, fire, water, earth. And you can tell if someone walks into a class and has a Kapha constitution, which just means it could mean anything, but really could mean that they need things a little bit slow, a little bit Mm -hmm. grounded. They like to be in the feels a little bit more. They love yin yoga. And you know the pitta signs because they're like, let's do power hot boot camp yoga. And the vata signs are like, I didn't have breakfast today and I'm going to, you know, it's a little airy (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I'm going to a yoga class and life is good. But um, you could definitely tell. And then as a yoga teacher, what I like to do is help play with the opposite. So depending on, you know, the situation, if it's kapha season, for example, if it's winter or spring, that's kapha season. And, you know, everyone feels a little bit sluggish. They want to ground down. They want to cozy up to the fire, Mm -hmm. you know, and for people who have that constitution, you may want to actually tell them, you know, try to get up a little bit earlier. Don't stay in bed because they may be more prone to things like seasonal depression uh, Mm -hmm. because they just love slowing down so much. Uh, For pittas, like they could keep, you know, the winter pretty warm because they're Mm -hmm. constantly going. But the thing with pitta constitutions or fire constitutions is we're more prone to burnout. Um, Mm -hmm. Vata, we've, you know, forget things super easily. So in terms of astrology, in terms of the elements, I think that's where the deepest connection is along with the phases of the moon. Oh my gosh. Just knowing the planets, knowing when it's a Mercury retrograde. Like I used to work at, uh, be a manager to a studio and every single Mercury retrograde, I would know that the systems were going to collapse. Like the computer says, I'm like, I know it. Mm-hmm. I know something's going to happen whether it be with like the email or, you know, the sign up form, I know something technologically is going to happen. So it'd show up like an extra half an hour early, like either an hour early just to like, and sometimes there's nothing I could do. Like someone mm-hmm. would sign on and be like, this isn't working like five minutes before class. And I would be like, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. Mercury retrograde. So I think being in tune with the stars, astrology, the elements, nature itself is the true embodiment of what we're talking about majority it's it's astrology is just kind of this energetical science we're Mm -hmm. already a part of the stars we're made of star stuff we're made of like elements of nature it's just tuning ourselves into that really while balancing it not taking a grain of salt but using it as tools to kind of really bring a little bit of self-awareness into your practice Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. beautiful and i never thought about um the different like Ayurveda styles with yoga. And that's like mind blowing to me. That's super cool. I have a Vata. Um, I'm like a natural Vata. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I know like definitely I want to get more into it um, and like be a little bit more healthier with that. But um, it's just really interesting how just by looking at someone you can tell, okay, this is the type of, you know, body work that either work or not work for them. And like incorporating that with the seasons and the astrology, I feel is incredibly beneficial and smart. And yeah, I feel like the astrology is so important to have that sense of awareness, even if you can't keep up with it every day, because it's changing every day. It's a lot, (laughs) you know, it's it's a full-time job to keep up with it. Like, (laughs) you know, but 
just like making like little notes, like this is the day the full moon is, this is the day the new moon is. And like, just those like little calendar moments can just really help so much. Mm, So true. Especially, you know, this might be on topic, but off topic when it comes to your, you know, menstrual health, Mm -hmm. knowing the phases of the moon helps, you know, when you're ovulating, when, you know, you're about to get your period, like it just, when you're about to get really, really, for me, it's like when I'm about to get PMS, like when I'm about to get really emotional, I'm Mm -hmm. like, here it goes. And you can look at the phases of the moon and know exactly, you know, when that happens. So I think health wise, it's also a great way to just bring in some introspection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're feeling something like, okay, like what's like sign is the moon in today? Like I remember a couple of weeks ago, it was a Monday and I was feeling so tired, had no energy. And I'm like, okay, what sign is the moon in? And of course it was in Capricorn. It was at zero degrees. And so it was like so fresh in a Capricorn and the moon rules Monday. So it was like double like moon energy that day for me. And I was like, okay, this checks out. This is why I'm so tired. And then the next day I felt better. Oh my gosh. I didn't even, I didn't even know the moon rules. That's mind blowing to me. I didn't know that the moon rules Monday. Like Mm -hmm. I had no idea. That's fascinating. That explains, that explains a lot. Sometimes (laughs) I just, I go with it. I'm like, uh, full moon, you know, people are being crazy. I'm like, ah, all right, that's cool. It's like full moon in winter, like, especially in the winter time, if it's a full moon, I don't know. I get very, like, I want to hunker down, take it slow. And I just honor it. I know we can't all the time in this hustle and bustle society. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. I think it's also my double, like my triple fire. I'm like, let me just slow down because slowing down for me is more like being an average person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Slow down to average. (laughs) Average. Take it down a notch, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just helps you to be more mindful and to really create space for not only your own emotional well-being, but create a space for ritual and Mm. having intention of like, okay, I'm going to do something practical, important, magical, whatever it is on this day at, you know, this time, whatever it is. Um, And it just really kind of, especially with all the hustle and bustle of the world, like helps us settle in to our own energy and connect with it. But yeah, I definitely feel like we shouldn't be working on Mondays because astrologically it's not correct. (laughs) And we shouldn't, like as women, we should have at least one to two days off a month for the menstrual cycle, not only to, um, yes. yeah, not only to like, I guess, recuperate from it. Cause you know, the cycle can be very draining on the physical body, but also to emotionally connect with mm. ourselves as well, because there mm-hmm. is like a huge, it is a huge moment to connect if you're in tuned emotions. And I don't think we allow ourselves that time and space when we're working in a capitalistic patriarchal world. Yeah. Especially, I don't know if, you know, if you felt this, but during the pandemic, when we were able to actually slow down, like I felt so free to just experience my menstruation, which means I didn't have to like take a bunch of leaves and, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure like, it's, it's almost like when you're working in the real world, you're trying to like minimize as like the effects of your period. You're trying to not complain. You're trying to just kind of act like it's any other day, Mm -hmm. Uh, but emotionally and physically it's not any other day. So yeah, it's like, Oh, sorry, I'm a little bit more tired. It's that time of the month, or I'm a little bit more emotional. It's the time of the month. Like you have those little moments, but it's almost like society is like, you need to keep that to a minimum Mm -hmm. during the pandemic. 
it was like everyone's freak flag was flying. I loved it. I was able to experience my menstruation, my PMS to like the height. No one was judging me. No one cared. I was mm-hmm. like, awesome. Like I was like complaining about my cramps and investing in all these heating pads and things like that. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I can lay in bed and deal with the fact that I have a period. Yeah. So I think if you have a day off and, um, experience that really actually slow it down, like honor the feelings of slowing down, honor the feelings of wanting to stay in bed, honor the feeling. I mean, not everyone has that privilege, but it would be if you happen to really honor it and notice how it aids in kind of the whole process, the cramps, the emotions, everything. Mm -hmm. The transformation, the female body rehealing itself, and even honoring the blood that comes out. There is definitely some type of gratitude with getting the period. And it also is a sign Mm. of health. If you are regular, um, it is like, okay, my body is healthy. It's doing what it needs to do and to take honor in that, in that cycle. Exactly. Gratitude for sure. Cause there are people out there who are waiting for their first period Mm -hmm. and, or they're waiting to get their period back. So I agree with you, even though it's very easy to go on, like, you know, you know, shit on it. Mm -hmm. It's actually very good when you can kind of take a moment of gratitude. It's like, Oh, this is my body telling me you're healthy and Mm -hmm. you can learn so much from it too. Yeah. Or, or health from it too. Like you're the color and the cramps and all that, but Mm -hmm. yes. (laughs) (laughs) So much, so much. Um, so I want you to tell me a little bit about what inspired you to get into yoga, to get into meditation and your healership in general. So I'm a survivor of uh, domestic violence and sexual abuse. And um, for me, falling in love with yoga happened because I needed to do a little bit of shadow work. I just didn't know it. And by shadow work, it means honoring all the icky feelings we sometimes label as icky, but they're actually not icky. They're normal. Mm-hmm. Honoring the sadness, uh, the fear, uh, the disappointment. So for me, when I was 16, I thought healing was on paper success. It was like getting amazing grades and being, you know, an Aries, being the leader in, you know, the school plays and VP of all these different, um, you know, school groups. And I was doing all of it and I was burning out and I was getting frustrated with myself because I was like, well, at least I should feel somewhat happy. I at least should, at least I should feel somewhat fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, um, I started, I didn't realize it, but it was the beginning of an eating disorder. I wasn't eating. I wasn't mm-hmm. sleeping. I used to walk around the house just crying at 4am, like not knowing what was up, what was wrong with me. I didn't understand that I was experiencing immense depression and anxiety. And even though I was seeing a therapist at the time, they were trying to really take a step back instead of just prescribing me um, medication, which I'm a huge, huge believer in if you need it, um, Mm -hmm. or if you even just want it. Uh, they were kind of trying to evaluate, was this me being 16? Was this me living in a toxic Mm. environment? Was like, what is this really? Does she really need medication or is this something deeper? Um, Just around that time, because I was, you know, fully functioning, my sister (laughs) was like, I don't know what to do. And seeing that we're kind of in this place of just trying to figure out what's going on. If you're just being a teenager, if this is something more serious, she kind of just said, let's go to yoga. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what's, what's yoga? And she's like, oh, you'll like it. It's like dance, but relaxing. 
And I was, I was like, okay. And it's a, yeah, I was really, really privileged because this was back in like 2005, 2006 mm. or seven. Mm. And yoga wasn't really a big thing. Like, especially I'd lived in an area where it's mostly people of color and they were not, they, I mean, I didn't know what yoga was and um, I don't think they did either. So driving 15 minutes <laughs> down the road to a gentrified area where they're opening a yoga studio was such a huge, cool thing for me. And when I went, it was so, it just felt like home and it was my medicine and it helped me navigate through so much of my high school. My, it's still helping me navigate through my life. And um, I think in that sense, yoga can be used as a therapeutic tool for mm -hmm. sure, for mm -hmm. sure. And it was my therapeutic tool. And then eventually I fell in love with it. I was acting. I, I was an actress before I was a yoga teacher um, because again, I kind of thought like, oh, this is sometimes we fool ourselves into narratives. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, you're really good at like dancing and singing and being in front of the camera. Like this is where you should go. Um, but those same skills apply to being a yoga teacher or wellness leader or creative in general. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, well, on my time off, I'll just, you know, teach yoga. But I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with like the industry and the people. And really that's, that's something for me. It's, it's talking to people. It's seeing how these tools help them and the way it has helped me or had helped me at 16 when I was at my wits end. And I was like, it's either, you know, somehow I find the root of happiness or mm -hmm. it's, you know, medication or even more morbid death. So, mm -hmm. um, it was just that time period and it just found me and completely saved me on multiple levels. So that's how I fell in love with or started teaching yoga. That is such a beautiful story. And thank you so much for sharing it. And I feel like wellness, doing yoga, divination, these tools are vital, not only for mm. our physical health, but our mental, emotional, everything. And I started yoga, I think pretty early on too. It was like 2008, 2009, I started doing yoga and I was in Michigan. So Midwest. So it's <laughs> like, <laughs> we really didn't have yoga studios or it really it hasn't been like as intricate as it is now. But yeah, I guess it's it's interesting because like a lot of people from like California, like, oh yeah, yoga, it's, it started there. Like well, it started in mm -hmm. India and then brought over to um, the West Coast and it slowly trickled down across the rest of the nation. But I was like the only person in my friend group, like doing yoga. My mom introduced it to me because she was doing it on, um, I mean, she was taking some classes, but she, we were also doing it on our TV, like the fit TV program or channel. Um, mm -hmm. but I would do yoga before I went to school. I would wake up at like four thirty, five o'clock and do yoga. And then, oh my God, I, love I know it's such an Aries thing. And then I would come home and do yoga, but I was also training, um, the track and I was on, different track teams at the time, the traveling track team and my school track team and doing yoga was a great way to kind of disfuse from that high intensity workouts yes. and the competition. Yeah, definitely. Like I completely, I completely relate to how it just mentally changes you. And it's just like the movements, even like the mantras or like the words that the yoga language, that's what I call it. Cause I don't <laughs> really understand like, like all of like what the words are, but like just the movements um, and the poses, they're intentional for mm. it to be that way. Like the hand mm -hmm. posture, like everything is intentional. And with studying Reiki, like learning about the intentions with the hands and like, we just have so much power in our body. 
we just don't even realize it. We have enough power, I believe, to light up or power. I don't know if it's a house or a neighborhood. I don't know what exactly it is, Mm -hmm. but it's enough, at least enough to power a house for sure. I totally agree. And I love that you added divination because yoga is my teaching yoga specifically is my type of divination. It's, it's my type of magic. And I think we talked Mm -hmm. about that, like, you know, when we, when we hung out, but it's, it's noticing that when you see a yoga teacher, and that was something that came up for me, when you see a yoga teacher that has crystals and uses incense, is a mm-hmm. Reiki practitioner, is using energy to heal um, the physical and spiritual body, you begin to, you know, the, the term, are you a witch comes up, you know, like, mm-hmm. are you a witch? And it's, and I'm like, girl, I'm so proud of you because I think it's, you have given me permission to take that word into my hands and say, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, uh, we have to, you said it best. I think you said something along the lines of, um, we have to recognize that healing and magic is all kind of the, the same thing, really mm-hmm. science and healing and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, proclaiming that word, witch, like being a witchy woman or just a witchy, however you want to identify, there's so much self-knowledge and just self-love in being able to confidently say who you are. And of course, you know, which is just a word, you know, but it is, Mm -hmm. there's so much history and power in declaring that for yourself, especially when society Mm -hmm. tries to push you in the opposite direction and trying to make you feel like you need the system to survive. You need the system for your well-being. You need the system for, I don't know, your mental health or whatever. When it's actually, you can take a lot of these things in your own hands and in a way of like, I can get to know myself to better myself. Mm. Yes. Um, and I guess maybe that's why <laughs> throughout, throughout history, they, like people were scared that we actually can proclaim our own power mm. and take our power back. So it's but, still happening. Uh, it's still happening, you know. <laughs> There's a witch wave out there. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And I just think, too, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, society is going to shift in such a more beneficial, healthier way. We're already seeing, like, the little droplets of that happening. But I feel like, especially with Gen Z, like, getting so acclimated into spirituality and like witchiness through social media and being able to be a witness to that is going to be so healing and helpful for future generations down the line. I so think so. You are absolutely right. I really do. Because, you know, if you're a baby boomer or Gen X and your child is, is Gen Z, they can be like, Hey, you know, it's, it's not that scary. Um, Mm -hmm. my mom was my first and best chair yoga when I got my chair yoga certification, my best chair yoga student. And she was my best cheerleader. And (laughs) we always like showed up and did practices and it really helped her. Mm -hmm. So I I do feel that, yes, we need to learn from those who came before us, but it's lovely when those who came before us, we can give them permission for a lot of the Mm -hmm. thoughts that were in the back of their head. And it's like, shouldn't it be, shouldn't the world actually be like this? And you can confirm it, be like, yes, I'm actually fighting for the world to be more like what you're talking about. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. like, ah, yeah, good, good. (laughs) Like I'm not a total, you know, crazy person from being born in the wrong or not the best time period for my ideas. Mm -hmm. And it helps when you have a support system with my family is incredibly supportive. And I feel Mm -hmm. like having the support externally can really help give you the confidence internally to continue doing 
that way. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Any, any support system, even if it's like friends or your chosen family, like having that support system is just so healing. Mm-hmm. So you started going to yoga classes and you found it as being a very awesome healing tool and you started really connecting with it. How did this lead you to the path that you're on today? Was it like, okay, I'm going to start learning how to do yoga on my own? Like, did you always have the itch to teach and really take it to the next level? You know, I'm going to say no, not until my 200 hour training. And more importantly, when YouTube really kind of blew up with yoga teachers being this new thing that we didn't really have in the past, but yoga entrepreneurs, and we kind of had it on television. Like, you know, I would turn on the television, there'd be like a famous, like Deepak Chopra on like the wellness channel or something Mm -hmm. like that. But people like you and me, Majori, who actually were taking and and creating mini communities in this world that uh, were able to be patrons to the, to the craft of yoga, to the art of yoga, to the science of yoga is, is, was just mind blowing. And getting my, I really, honestly, when I got my yoga teacher certification, I had doubts. I was like, I don't know if I want to go into full career teaching yoga. Like, do I really want to do this? It started happening when I started subbing classes and started Mm -hmm. actually teaching and working with people. And then I started saying no more and more to like (laughs) yoga, like, you know, acting gigs and saying yes and yes to more yoga gigs. And my parents are like, what's going on here? And then one day I sat down, I was like, "Uh, I kind of want to be a full-time yoga teacher. And they were like, what does that mean? You told us (laughs) you wanted to be an actress. And, you know, my parents are, I'm first generation um, American. My mom's from Puerto Rico. My dad's from Panama. And so first generation mainland um, uh, American. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's a mentality. There's a mentality, especially if you're, you know, a person of color, even if you're born into a specific socioeconomic class, there's a narrative of like, you need to do something sustainable. So when mm-hmm. they finally started getting used to the idea that I was like an actress and a bohemian, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a yoga teacher. And they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what does full time, like, what, why are you freaking us out? Like you mm-hmm. were, we we're just getting used to you being a working actor and, and now you're going to be a yoga teacher. So it it wasn't an easy transition. I had a lot of conflict. I was like, what am I doing? I'm completely changing career paths. But Mm -hmm. uh, I was just, uh, I was so in love with it. There was nothing I could do. So it it kind of just called me in and and Mm -hmm. I went for it. And uh, that's how I'm I'm here now. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And yeah, I definitely feel like it's hard when you've set your path onto something and then you're like, okay, actually <laughs> this is like where the intention and the energy is going. This is what I need to do. And there's moments when we stop ourselves in the work that we do when we're like, this is, I love this. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. And like, that's how I felt when I read tarot. I'm like, this is my, the best version of myself in this yes. space. And you have to follow that energy. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting when your parents get used to like a non-traditional idea of like how you want to live your life. And it's like, oh, another one. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, oh, but you know what? That is such an Aries thing to do because Aries, like we switch, we switch around, but it's like, we do it because we know ourselves and we don't want to get stuck in complacency. Like definitely, like I know my parents are like, they can't like, predict my next moves. And that's kind of the fun, interesting part of the Aries energy or the fire sign energy. 
it's true though. It's true. It's very like a lot of fire signs are like, you know, the producer and the director and the lead of their own show. And, and then they become a philanthropist. Like mm-hmm. that's just how, <laughs> you know, the energy is kind of similar, but we are definitely always um, putting our energy towards different things. I do not expect myself to be doing the same thing at 50. I have embraced mm-hmm. it. I went to an astrologer at 30 and she was like, yeah, honey, like at 50, you're, you're, you're going to be on the same energetical path but she's like <laughs> you're gonna have a kid and, or you're gonna have a kid before then and it's gonna change your whole like perspective in life and you're gonna do something else and that's kind of what happened with yoga I was evolving and growing and who I was becoming was more in alignment with this path and that goes to show it's okay if you fall in love with mm-hmm. something even more and mm-hmm. that's like in alignment with your skills and your passions it's okay to like go for another thing especially the privilege of being an american is that you can consistently reinvent yourself and i don't mm-hmm. think we should ever let that go as a society i think that's one of the beautiful things about being an american so mm-hmm. um yeah go for it if you fall in love with something else go for it <laughs> Mm-hmm. And if you see someone else doing what you want to do and making a living from it, being happy, like that's kind of your confirmation to know if this is possible. Because sometimes we need that Absolutely. visual representation. I feel like before social media, it was hard to see that. And especially like in the healing, healership community, the wellness space and the uh, witchy space, because a lot of this work is internal. So, and done in private. So it yes. is like, now we're for kind of the first time we are having a visual library representation of what magic is, what wellness can look like, or, you know, we're still reinventing it as it comes through different creative ways, but there is a lot of confirmation in seeing and knowing um, that there's people who are doing what you want to do. And also people are doing what, you know, can inspire you to do something um, different with your life. So exactly. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So tell me about your yoga routine. Are you someone who's like, I need to do yoga every day around the clock? Or do you take breaks from it? Like kind of tell me, how do you stay consistent in your practice? Majority. I am so happy you asked me this question. (laughs) I have gotten this question a couple of times. And I always answer it this way, but now I have the words to really like, no, this is what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a very Aries moment where I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I need to just say for those who are very much interested in wellness or who are wellness leaders or who are spiritual leaders or who are uh, divination practitioners who feel they need a routine as in they don't need it because it brings them pleasure. They need it because it's like, oh, I'm, I'm being a bad yogi. You know, mm-hmm. I'm being a bad yogi. I'm not doing my 4 a.m. meditation and my 6 a.m. practice before I get up in the morning and send my kids to school and deal with the Zoom meetings. If your practice is not bringing you pleasure, you need a different practice. Mm -hmm. I need to just say that if your practice isn't bringing you pleasure and it's just something else on your to-do list and you're going through the motion, you need to find another practice because a practice is meant to help bring you to the deeper aspects of yourself that are really beautiful and Mm -hmm. that are worth sharing with the world. So if you're just doing it because it's like, this is part of my routine. It's like, look at me. I'm, you know, another marble in the jar. It's, it's not really serving you. Mm -hmm. That being said, 
my practice consistently changes because <laughs> you see what I did there? <laughs> so as of now, I need my practice every day. I need some sort of physical activity every day mm-hmm. as of now. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, I was more into meditation. I just was less into physical practice, more into meditation. During the summer of 2020, surfing was part of my yoga or part of my practice. And then yoga, even being in trainings, like teacher trainings, people don't look at it. They look at it as, oh, this is a resume builder, a career builder, a skill builder. No, it's part of your actual wellness practice. So I'm, I was literally in trainings all year this year, and I am Mm -hmm. very content with that because it's bringing me a lot of pleasure and just having people challenge your thoughts, having people challenge your body and your spiritual practices. And you can ask them questions, you can challenge them. And that Mm -hmm. in and of itself is energetical practicing. So I truly believe for me right now, it's physical practice with my, with my trainings. But if that changes in three months, I'm going to totally honor it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm an adult. I'm not like a mom. So there are people who are like, no, no, I need way more structure. And that's fine. If it brings Mm -hmm. you pleasure, that's fine. There are people who are like, I need to be a little bit more compassionate with myself. If I miss a day of yoga, I'm not going to beat myself up. Mm -hmm. The point is I get to the yoga mat when I can, and I'm so grateful for it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, great. As long as you try to build a routine, I feel like that's all that really matters. So we need to stop shaming ourselves into, mm-hmm. we got to get up at seven and meditate and mm-hmm. yoga and this. And it's like, yeah, but does it bring you pleasure? Does it actually yeah. add to your life? Mm-hmm. And I feel like as a society, we've gotten so, we've gotten so conditioned to be on a, a regimen to do things in a timely manner. And that's not what spirituality and wellness is. Like it has to operate differently than those other capitalistic mindsets, whatever it is, because that's, Correct. we should be the exact opposite of that. And, you know, I also just being easy on yourself and just knowing like life happens and to doing things when you energetically feel right, because you're not going to align yourself with the right energy. If you're going to force yourself to, for example, pull a tarot card every day or, mm. you know, and it's, and I also like, I really, I tell people who are like, you know, getting into tarot, like my students, when I teach them, I'm like, don't get so caught up in trying to memorize the cars. Don't get so caught up in trying to pull every day because it's a lot of energetic exchange. And you also mm-hmm. don't want to hurt, like hate your tools. You want to have built a great relationship with your tool. It's not like, oh, I got to pull my daily card, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like having like compassionate boundaries towards your time and your energy because I like today was the first day I pulled cards for myself in two weeks. And I was totally fine with that. I was like, you know, I just didn't feel like I needed to pull cards or I just didn't have time to like self-analyze myself because, which Mm -hmm. is also very hard and draining, but also just knowing like you do, if you want to be good at something, there is some type of uh, medicine with the consistency of it. Cause like, Correct. how can you really be confident calling yourself something if you never do it yourself and then trying to teach and lead other people. So there is kind of like this give and take, but you still have to find your boundaries and find the compassion within it. As I'm like going on this new Reiki journey, which is very new for me the past couple months, we have this mantra you're supposed to say twice a day. Um, don't be angry. Don't worry. Be grateful, work diligently and be kind to others. You're supposed to say that mantra before you, when you wake up in the morning and before you go to bed. And that in itself 
I thought was going to be more challenging to do, but since I'm really connected with this work right now, it's been very easy for me to remember these mantras. And even when I'm like at work and it's like 2 p.m., I'm like, oh my God, I forgot the mantra. I'm like in the bathroom, <laughs> like saying it to myself, like, you know, at least it was done, but it's kind of like, we have to not put our, this pressure on ourselves to do these things because who's watching? you know <laughs> exactly exactly it's so true we have the i think don miguel ruiz said it we have the the he's uh, a writer of the book the four agreements and he mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is he's like we have this judge and this judge was reinforced by sometimes that teacher that one mm-hmm. teacher in class or mm-hmm. our parents Parent. or what a, yeah it, it's like or our, our guardians and it's like that actually doesn't exist that is just a part of your ego Mm -hmm. attaching to an idea, Mm -hmm. trying to say, this idea is you, this success Mm -hmm. is you, but that's actually not you at all. Not Mm -hmm. like your successes, your mistakes, all of that, um, your, your consistency, your comeback rate, which I feel so much more important than consistency. The fact that you come back to it, Mm -hmm. come back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of that really doesn't define the real complex soul that you are. So Mm Yeah, I agree with you, Majori. <laughs> yeah, and there's this yeah. card um, in Morgan's Tarot, which is like this trippy um, deck that was made in the 60s, 70s by a literal hippie. Um, <laughs> but Ooh. it's like a very amazing, it's like one of the most profound decks. It's really an Oracle deck, but um, it's called Morgan's Tarot. And there's this card and it's called um, Judge. If there is a judge, you are it. And it really is kind of bringing that back to like, no one is like trying to check us, you know, (laughs) for these things, you know, it's like, we're the judge of ourselves. And it's like, are we going to be a strict judge of ourselves? Are we going to be a friend to ourselves and be lenient? Know that life, life happens and unpredictable. So, uh, but then like coming back to your craft and making something of it that's uniquely your own is where the, the specialness lies. Correct. Correct. You were mentioning like you were really into meditation during the pandemic, like the height of the pandemic. Kind of tell me, how does your meditation work trickle into what you do with yoga and your healership? My favorite meditation teachers, I think, are Gabrielle Bernstein mm-hmm. and Sadi Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, both w- some of my favorite meditation teachers because they look at healing they look at narratives. They look mm-hmm. at agreements we've made. And for me, that's where my work lies is actually not spiritually bypassing anything, looking at yourself, mm-hmm. even the parts that you don't love, or looking at the people that may have hurt you and really saying, where can healing be found? For me during the pandemic, that's why I think I ran to meditation mm-hmm. um, because of all the things that were all the scars that were being reopened by just what was happening at the time, mm-hmm. you know, Brianna Taylor, George mm-hmm. Floyd, you know, the pandemic in general, seeing so much death, seeing so much death, all of that was affecting everyone. Mm-hmm. And of course, if I have to teach 8am or 10am class, I'm like, I got to get my stuff together or else I'm going to come into this yoga class and be like, the world's on fire, class is canceled. You know, like, <laughs> you don't really, yeah. you, don't, you can't really help people or, mm-hmm. or help give people tools to help themselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think in that sense, meditation for me was really taking a moment to sit with myself, lay with, I, I prefer to lie down, frankly, and lie down and just really explore 
what is this anger coming up? What is this mm-hmm. sadness cut, coming up? And what does this mean? Does mm-hmm. this mean I have to accept as painful as it is that everything has an ending, but those endings also mean a beginning? Mm-hmm. Does that mean that my trauma, my pain, yes, it hurts, but does that mean I can learn something from it in order to propel healing for not just myself, but the world and everyone around me? Like these are, this is the beauty of shadow work. And this is the beauty of when we don't spiritually bypass things and mm-hmm. we all do it all wellness. We all find ourselves doing it one way. I'm pretty sure I've done it and I will do it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like <laughs> come at me. I'm probably going to do it or, and I, I won't have that intention to do it but it happens. And Mm -hmm. I think when we really do the shadow work, um, and for me, it was listening to these people saying, it's okay. It's okay to grieve. Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel. And it's okay to also find love in all of that. That was where um, my meditation work really felt energized. And that's what I do for others as well. I Um, challenge my teachers when they tend to spiritually bypass or fall into the trap of spiritually bypassing. And I do believe it's a trap because I think it's really easy to pretend like life is good and we're going to kumbaya this situation. But I also think it's more powerful when we say, no, 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 no. Let's take a moment. Yes, we'll get to kumbaya. But before Mm -hmm. we get to kumbaya, we need to find the kumbaya in this shadow work. We need to Mm -hmm. find the kumbaya in in the reality of you know, someone just passed away. Someone I love just passed away. Um, someone was hurt. Uh, someone, you know, I don't even know was hurt and it's all over the news and it has affected me because something similar happened to someone close to me or happened to me or my sister or my brother, whatever the case is and Mm -hmm. really explore it. And within that moment of acceptance in that moment of, oh my gosh, acknowledgement, you will get to the kumbaya. The kumbaya is going to come. But in order, you know, when we just go, we're just going to breathe through it. It's like, you may not need to breathe through it. You may, you know, I was talking to my therapist about this, this, this Mm -hmm. morning. And it's like, you may not need to breathe through it. You may actually need to accept the fact that you need medication. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and then you have to deal with those narratives around medication. Mm -hmm. Um, you may have to accept the fact that you need to get out of a situation, Mm -hmm. um, versus just breathe through it. You may Mm -hmm. need to remove yourself from a situation, which, you know, is very challenging, um, psychologically. So yeah, I believe in doing, the shadow work, looking at the agreements, looking at the narratives and using parts of those aspects of those to find the kumbaya moments to manifest a happier and healthier life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also checking out when everything starts becoming all love and light, because that is not how the world works. And (laughs) and anyone who tries to like sell you on that narrative, it's not authentic. And Mm -hmm. I feel like in the wellness space, which is very white driven, there's this whole idea of what it means to be a yogi, what it means to be a practitioner in this space. And, you know, we have to really look at who we're listening to, who we're taking advice from, wisdom from, and it's like, is it even valid? And I definitely want to talk more about that, that topic, but I definitely like the meditation work. It's definitely a way to get inside all parts of ourselves because we're taking the space and the time to do that. So it's a beautiful thing, but it's like, you can't, once you start getting to really know yourself, the shadow's going to come up. You can't escape the shadow. You know, you can't be nope. a Peter Pan syndrome where you're just like, okay, I'm going to like <laughs> get my, sh- like rip my shadow away from me and it's going to go amok somewhere else. It's like, no, yes. it's, it's, it's going to come back to you. And, and you can tell when someone's trying to 
ignore their shadow or to hide from their shadow because it shows up through the chakra system and mm. the energy system. So it, we're all, it's all connected and meditation just kind of helps filter some of those energies and reconnect with some of those energies. Um, so what is your meditation practice? Is there a certain type of meditation that you do or is it something specific or is it kind of like your own thing that you do kind of take me through? My meditation practice is mostly after in Shavasana. So if I do an hour yoga practice and I go into Shavasana, that's, that's something that helps me dive deep into my own meditation practice. But mm-hmm. there are times in the morning where I find myself in Shavasana or there are times like throughout the day, I actually remove time or yeah, remove time to just go into a meditation practice. But specifically my best meditation practices are right after a nice, good uh, yoga practice. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it's visualization. It's hard for me to really describe what I do, but it's mostly I set an intention at the beginning of the practice. And I mix meditation, like movement meditation to honor that intention so that by the time I get into Shavasana, I can process what that intention is really about, what that really mm-hmm. means. So if I'm angry at someone, I can process the anger. And when I'm in meditation, I can choose to visualize a, a mode, a modality for healing, whether that be telling someone how I feel and then mm-hmm. eventually getting to forgiveness or accepting that I'm going to be angry and that's okay, but I can't let that anger control my life or Mm -hmm. my day or my reactions. So Mm -hmm. whatever the choice is, I kind of play with it within a visualization um, meditation. I I call it, I dive into the spirit realm and I let my intuition, my wisdom and the power of visualization guide me. When it comes to my actual guided meditations is a little bit more structured. Uh, So I kind of go, I go, I go crazy on my own, but you know, for practitioners, I give them more of a structure but it's similar. It's visualizing Mm -hmm. something. It's doing an act within this vision and it's repeating affirmations like spells to Mm -hmm. reaffirm the practice of what we want to take when we leave that realm of the vision. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's really awesome. Do you incorporate like crystals in your meditation or anything like that? Oh no, but you just, (laughs) Jory. (laughs) (laughs) the idea now well now i'm gonna do it you know i always like to make my meditations accessible uh but now i'm gonna be like if you have a chris like a specific meditation it's like if you have a crystal that you that really resonates with you right now feel free to like hold on to it because they are so grounding like Mm -hmm. you know it's psychologically they're so grounding having these pieces of earth in your hands with you know attached to an intention or attached to a mood or a vibe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well now I'm just sprinkling that onto my meditation. Sunday. <laughs> yes. I, I love meditating. I have been so crazy. Like I used to be so big into being very consistent with doing a lot of meditation and yoga, but this year has been kind of crazy for me, but even just like holding a crystal is like a very meditative thing in itself. So, but I think that's really beautiful. Um, we were just talking about if your own practice and the visualization, which is such a powerful tool and just being able to incorporate, it's, it's very creative being able to incorporate these different elements to better improve mental health, emotional well-being is such a powerful thing. So touching a little bit briefly, like I brought it up about the whiteness <laughs> in yes. this like wellness community, whatever you want to call it. Like, can you kind of tell me some of your experiences with being a woman of color, like in your career, in your healership that you've encountered and how you think we need to change and adapt from, from this? 
Yes. And bef- again, I'm so happy you asked this question, Majori, because I'm going to go ahead with my another, another one of my <laughs> public, public service announcements. <laughs> um, this is going to sound really, really sad, but it's also very, very true. The history of yoga in the United States of America was never meant to be for people of color. It was never intended to be for people of color. The first summit, the first yoga religious summit where a yoga teacher came from India, he shared yoga specifically with white men. Ironically, it was a room filled with white men. It's funny that it's female dominated now, but white men and a couple of their wives or sisters were in the room. Not one person of color would have been there because it was during the civil war. And why would, or it was post, like right after the civil war, why would a brown black, you know, person be in that room? The only brown person in that room, ironically, was the Swami and the teacher. And Mm -hmm. that's it. That was as brown as it was going to get. So unfortunately, the system was built um, or yoga was built on, unfortunately, and and these leaders, I don't think that that was their intention. I still don't think wellness leaders, that's their intention. But we have mm-hmm. to all take a moment to recognize it was never a space meant for us. It was specifically mm-hmm. meant for white males because that's those were the people who could actually get that information, who could take a day off and go to a religious spiritual summit. You know, like mm-hmm. people of color could not, no way do that. They were healing from, you know, from being slaves and Mm -hmm. and being completely displaced in this society. So here we are, 1960s, 1970s, and we start to see this rise of yoga and, you know, the the movement of wellness starts to really, the seeds start to plant even more so. And you see it very white woman dominated because women, white women, actresses of a socioeconomic class were like, oh, you look so amazing. It's like, oh, it's the yoga. So it Mm -hmm. became a white woman, high socioeconomic class kind of thing. And then it started to like, I hate to use this word, but it's the truth. It was almost like a trickle down effect. It was like people who had to fight to get to a place where they could gain the knowledge, gain mm-hmm. the money, gain the the opportunities, were able to therefore participate in wellness. So if you are a white yoga teacher who are like, I'm trying to get people of color and I just don't know why, don't worry. The system was, you know, already from the beginning, it was kind of against us. And if mm-hmm. you all are also a person of color in yoga classes frustrated, it's like, don't worry. Like this is unfortunately part of, and we didn't realize it, but I'm happy it was brought up specifically during this pandemic. Yoga was already in the system of systemic racism mm-hmm. and um, we just didn't notice it, which is again, why it's important to not spiritually bypass. And I believe I was talking to you about this too, Majori. I worked mostly at black owned yoga studios and I was so proud of it because it was like, these are these, there are these entrepreneurs and these leaders who are, who are black and they are making space for people of color in black neighborhoods like Bed-Stuy and like, this Mm -hmm. is amazing. And I just saw white Midwestern girls. take over. And, you know, there were, I would be so happy when I would get, you know, a local, you know, a local who was, who was black, like a black mm-hmm. man, especially when I saw a black man in yoga class, I just wanted to like get really happy and cry or Latino man in yoga class, because those are the people we do not see. Like mm-hmm. we are more likely, you're more likely to see us majority and then mm-hmm. other black women. And then 
some Spanish women and Asian women and that's, and then you'll may get a man, mm-hmm. but he'll probably be white. Um, mm-hmm. So it is when I saw black men, Latino men, I really got happy because that's, that's a, a group of people. If you identify as a, a, a black man or a Hispanic man, you really, really like that's, that's the group of people that need this sometimes mm-hmm. the most, uh, yes. especially. Yeah. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, and I'm not spiritually bypassing the system. How can you criticize a system that was never meant for us to begin with? You mm-hmm. know, that sounds very dark and morbid, but it's, it's the truth. And I'm not blaming anyone in it or, and I'm not, I'm definitely not pointing fingers because it was literally around civil war times that this was really introduced to the United States. You know, this is our history. I think we should not blame, not point fingers, honor it, accept it and say, okay, how do we change the narratives around Mm -hmm. yoga? And not only is it about making it more affordable, but it's about having more people of color in these classes. So it creates a sense of safety because Mm -hmm. we have this trauma of if there's a lot of people that don't look like me here, I'm not safe. That's like Mm -hmm. kind of part of the narrative. Mm -hmm. So if we start bringing in more people of color, it's like, no, actually you're more than welcome and you are safe. Mm -hmm. And you just keep pushing it. Keep pushing. No, this is a safe space. This is a safe space. You are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome over and over and over again. And there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be cultural (laughs) mishaps. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, you know, it's going to happen. That's Mm -hmm. not the point. The point is you keep fighting for it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Wow. You said so many profound things and just so much truth in, in that, because I feel like trying to figure out how to say this the best way, but it's just people of color have been conditioned to not take care of themselves and to not create mm-hmm. space for themselves. And you know, there's a lot of oppression, um, societal oppression that conditions this type of mentality and behavior for generations. And we, you know, as slaves, we never had the moment to really think about ourselves, our mental health. And we still remain empowered because we fought for our lives and, you know, our freedom, which, you know, <laughs> we can like, you know, debate that, like if it's really freedom, but, um, you know, but we fought for ourselves. So there is some sense of acknowledgement, but it's just people of color just haven't been able to really create that space in themselves. Like, yes, like wellness is worth putting money towards or worth taking and creating space for. Now it's starting to happen, but it's just like, it was also, we felt like the spaces weren't there for us to participate and also gaining that, I guess, self-love and self-awareness that we do need this. We can be a part of this. And we're, I'm happy that we're starting, it's starting to happen. And even as myself being a tarot reader, um, I never (laughs) saw anyone really (laughs) like me black um, or like mixed race uh, witches or tail readers because it's so white dominated. Even all the books are all like white authors and like a lot of like they're all saying the same thing. They all have like mostly the same perspective. And so it's, there's still so much work that needs to be done. And like the majority of my clients are all white women. You know, I'm, I'm blessed to have clients and, you know, I love the work that I do, but I get really happy when I'm like, yes, like (laughs) there's, you know, another woman of color or another man of color that, you know, it's so rare. And I'm like, I want you guys, like, I'm advocating for you. It's okay. Like, you know, and creating space and just showing that there's so many different people from all different races doing this work and having their mm-hmm. own unique voice to it and sharing their stories and there's comfort and security and safety in that. And I definitely am seeing the shift 
And I know it's going to continue with the presence of social media being very heavy right now in this space. Um, but I just really, it's changing, it's changing, but it's a collective shift. Mm, it definitely, and it will have to be a collective shift. And you said so many beautiful things in that moment too. I love that you said that the witches around you were mostly white because growing up, the witches around me were always black women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Latina. So the witches around me were always black women, but that comes with its own taboo because, mm-hmm. you know, my, a couple of my family members, they were brujas or witches. And mm-hmm. it was like, you don't want to be called that. You don't mm-hmm. want to look like that. Like it was always this weird taboo of, oh, we're flirting with this. You know, like there was a joke that my dad, my dad is very Catholic. He's a Catholic deacon. And, you know, I'm, as you, as you know, majority, extremely spiritual and not really that much into organized religion, but him and I always have the joke of like, yeah, you go to your like, you know, bruja on Saturday and you go to your priest on Sunday and you know, it's all good. Like in Latin American culture, that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my uh, boyfriend's family, they're, they're religious as well. But when they see me like bring Oracle cards mm-hmm. or, or talk about spiritual, you know, things that are a little witchy, they're like, oh, well, this is okay. Like you can have this because of our own history of oppression, mm-hmm. because of, you know, the Spaniards kind of were like, let them have you know, they're a little bits and pieces of their culture, but at the end of the day, they're going to be Catholic. And as long as they say they're Catholic and they go to church on Sundays, they can have those little bits and pieces of culture. But then it created this almost false narrative of now you have to hide who you are Mm -hmm. and God forbid you ever show parts of who you really are. So I always ironically got the very dark, this is who I am, witches. Uh, And it was a little scary uh, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you go from one extreme to the other. I rarely you know, the women who are practicing Wiccans who are like, oh no, it's not all, you know, not all women or men come to us and say, I want my boyfriend back. Like, and I want him in the back in the worst way. Like, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the stories I grew up with. It's very different in the United States. It's like, we heal, we're hippies, we're people of nature. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what I grew up with. So I Mm -hmm. love that you said that because you grew up in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. your culture was, yeah, it was mostly white women. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, at least you got some positive vibes with that. I got like the, (laughs) you're going to burn in hell. And by the way, they're trying to zombify their boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know there's so many different like sides of it. And I mean, yeah, like, uh, I guess experiencing was more whitewashed, but in a sense, I didn't feel like there was a place for me in that space. It wasn't until Mm. I was 26 years old and I was been, I've been practicing tarot. I was, I've been practicing astrology since I was 12, tarot since I was 21. And it wasn't until I was 26 where I actually was like, I don't give an F about what anyone thinks about me. I, this is who I am. I'm a tarot reader. I'm going to be more confident. Like I couldn't hide myself anymore because I mm. felt like I was hiding myself and um, to try to make other people feel comfortable, you know? Mm. And also I didn't really see anyone who looks like me like a huge like skill or even just like on a platform because Instagram didn't really become witchy until like pretty much last year, <laughs> like literally, you know, the explosion. So it like, it took a while, you know, to really feel comfortable, like, Oh, okay. Like I can create my own space in this, but like, despite from what I know uh, other people are doing, but, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of sides definitely to it and to embracing your magic and to embracing who you are. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. Embracing who you are. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. 
And even with this like new collection, um, you know, this is what a witch looks like, or, you know, a tarot reader looks like, even still, like I, I have the tote bag that says this is what a tarot reader looks like. And I find myself flipping over the side that says this is what a tarot reader looks like to like my body. So you can't really see it. You know, I'm, I'm still like fighting that, like the identity. And it's like, I feel comfortable with it on a, you know, social media perspective. But even still in the extroverted world, walking around like bankers and financers and Midtown and, you know, it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, like this bag is like too much for them. <laughs> you know, and even when I wore the shirt, like this is what a witch looks like. People were like, oh my God, like they, I got a lot of stares, but, and then people were, and then I also got a lot of equal compliments from strangers. So it's like, it's a mixed bag, but you know. It's such a mixed bag and you'd be surprised how many bankers are going to their tarot card readers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mm-hmm. would be surprised. You would be so surprised. And that's, I get that too. A lot of finance people um, work with, they need, it's, it's very interesting how that works, but it's almost like they know that they need a little bit of spiritual practice, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual, you know, self, self-awareness. So sometimes you might be wearing it you might be wearing it in like the perfect place majority. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, and also too, like throughout history, like kings and queens had their own like psychics and astrologers, um, presidents, big bankers and finance hedge fund people. Um, I just call them people because I don't, it's not part of my world, but they, they deal with their own astrologers. There's a lot of like financial astrologers out there and it just makes so much sense. Like yes. it's just another like tool that you're, you know, putting into being more successful in your life. But I guess kind of like we kind of got a little off topic of my question, but just kind of like the whole wellness healership world, you know, I feel like it's finally kind of getting a little, I guess, of like the white awakening, like white people are kind of like, I need to be more mindful about, you know, these things or, you know, we're starting, slowly starting to see a little bit more of awareness and mindfulness of like people are being represented, how they're showing up for black practitioners or just practitioners of color. And hopefully kind of the power will switch into brown hands <laughs> down the line. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think it will. All my yoga teachers were white. I, I ended up working, moving to the city for uh, brown and black yoga teachers. But the women who taught me my skills, most of the women who taught me and my skills, white and mm-hmm. one Asian woman, that mm-hmm. was the only person of color. Technically, that was my teacher. And that's not you know a coincidence. That's just kind of the system that mm-hmm. we live in. That being said, I think it's also important not to feel guilty over that. And don't put a marble in your cup when you're like, oh, I'm a white yoga teacher who just got like a brown person. Like, please don't do that either. Mm-hmm. Just like be like, okay, if you see someone that speaks another language and they want to teach a class in a different language to support those in the community, for example, Spanish speaking yoga class, mm-hmm. that is so powerful. And just mm-hmm. say yes to the idea. Even if it doesn't work out, try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many ways to be a support without thinking, without, you know, I hate to use this word because it's been used, but without white guilt getting in the way, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not about, it's not about feeling guilty or feeling shameful. It is what it is. It's just about taking a moment to listen and be a little bit, a little bit kinder to those who've had maybe different experiences than you Mm -hmm. and be willing to open up and listen and hear out those experiences. Mm -hmm. And not like white centering so much. Um, So taking 
I guess, I don't want to say the word is like accountability, but just taking like ownership of like, okay, like I, you know, am a white practitioner or a white teacher or whatever. I need to show up in a different way or make my classes, studio, whatever it is more inclusive. And, um, you know, allowing open dialogue of, you know, what, you know, would you like if like speaking to like a person of color, what would you like or what would benefit you, you know, and mm-hmm. that would be very helpful because it's just kind of like, I even personally, I get really annoyed when I'm like trying to search for a retreat to go to, or even just I'm in Whole Foods and I see just like all white people on the yoga magazines there or whatever. And I just get so mad. I'm like, I don't want, like, <laughs> I want to go to a retreat <laughs> where it's like led by like a black or just a person of color. Um, and it's so rare and hard to find. Like I was looking for retreats in Tucson for next year and I got really excited because, um, the picture for one of the retreats, it had like a, it looked like a, like a biracial woman. And I was like, Oh my God, this like girl looks like me. I want to, I'm going to look into this, you know, course, whatever. And as I clicked on the link, that was just the picture. It w- the teacher was mm. white, so it was no. just like <laughs> so I was just like you got honey potted. <laughs> I did. I was just like, okay, I don't want to take this now, like because I was just like, okay, you just try to like like not be having that misconception, like oh yeah, this space is for you or this is for you, and then it's like not, you know, or it can Marketing. be, but. It's just a marketing, marketing scheme. Oh my God. Marketing. <laughs> if you want to, that's what needs to honestly, the big first step of changing is the mm-hmm. marketing. Like be it's same thing, you know, with people who have eating disorders, um, or, or, or struggling with an eating disorder, um, your marketing sends a message. So if you are mm-hmm. a yoga studio teacher or you're running a retreat, be mindful of the type of pictures and words and things that you use because it will shun a whole group of mm-hmm. people away that you could have actually loved practicing with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What is the best part about being a healer? Loaded question. <laughs> right? I sorry. I was like I, I took a moment to really think about it. For me, what popped up when you just said that question is holding yourself accountable to the process of healing yourself. You know, mm-hmm. heal people, heal people. It's beautiful for me to really ask myself, are you drinking your own Kool-Aid? Mm-hmm. Are you just being, you know, t- we talked about shadows. There's something called the white shadow where you're just bypassing all of your own stuff to be like, mm-hmm. I'm this healer. Or are you actually going to the yoga mat and being like, guys, this is the theme today because I just went through this. I don't know if you guys went through this, but this is mm-hmm. a theme and this is what the theme's going to be about. And there's something so beautiful and practicing with other people. You know, your students are your teachers. Mm-hmm. So they are yeah. giving you healing vibes. They are sending you love and vice versa. And that's mm-hmm. the most beautiful part. And I'm mm-hmm. sure because when you, when you performed Reiki on me, I'm pretty sure you felt that from me because I was like, <laughs> I love you so much. You're so amazing. Thank you. I need this so much right now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So yes, that's the, that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's, uh, I think the, for me, the best part about being a healer is that I have to now have the beautiful responsibility, the beautiful gift of checking in with myself consistently. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm trying to avoid it, a student will bring something up and I'll be like, Oh, there it is. There it Mm -hmm. is. I so resonate. I so, Oh my gosh, do I resonate with you right now? You know? Mm -hmm. And then you can't really bypass it. You have to look at it within yourself and then Mm -hmm. you can go on the journey together. Mm -hmm. It's very beautiful. Um, So do you have any projects or classes that you have coming up that you want to talk about? Yes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, that's awesome that you're like excited about it. So I have a workshop, uh, Manifestation 101 coming up. It's all about exploring, or I share my three tools for manifestation, mixing yoga and manifestation and releasing old narratives and agreements you made with yourself to really make new space um, mm -hmm. to invite in the new stuff. I kind of call it like a spiritual closet cleansing, you know, Dude, like I we're like going <laughs> to, right. We're just going to let go of some stuff in this three hour workshop to give ourselves some tools to invite in some new good stuff. I'm currently working on an online course called manifesting an abundant career, which has been a spiritual process, Majori. <laughs> it's, it's our Saturn return and you see it my is. chart. Yes. You know, my charts in Capricorn, like it's all Capricorn, Capricorn energy, Capricorn and Saturn. So, um, this has been a really beautiful course for me to work on and produce. It's also like really challenged me on multiple levels and that will hopefully be out. It was supposed to be out in the middle of October, but because it is such a dear course, to my heart. And there's so many good things to, to kind of add to it. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, the, the soup kept, keeps getting more ingredients and <laughs> I'm trying, I'm like, you know, really trying to keep it minimal and tight. Uh, but it is, as you know, abundance and careers are such huge topics. So, uh, it, that will be hopefully coming out in the fall or beginning of the winter. And, um, yeah, that those are my main projects. I have a couple of things, other things in store, but those are the main ones that are on the schedule as of now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So what does support look like for you and how can we best support you at this time? Oh my gosh. Come to my, sign up to my website. First of all, sign up to my mailing list www.lisacopa.com. Shameless plug right there. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and I will have, I'll have all like your links in the show notes for those listening too. like, so you'll be able to get in contact, but, uh, but yeah, definitely check out the links. <laughs> yes. Check out the links, the Instagram, the website. I have upcoming, um, three actually by donation based, uh, yoga classes on my favorite app, my main platform insight timer, um, and you can go ahead there if you're interested in, you know, booking a manifestation or, or learning more about yoga and manifestation or using yoga as a tool for manifestation. Um, you have tons of meditations on there that are free. The classes are donation based. And I, I believe um, you can also sign up for mentoring or, or coaching. I, I, I prefer the word coaching mm -hmm. uh, to gain tools. So those are all the ways in which you can support me, or you can just share something that you like. I also have a YouTube channel, so mm -hmm. check it out. Check it out. There's so much. Yeah. And Instagram so too. Much. All the social media. All the social media. <laughs> check it out. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure to have you on. And I'm so happy that the universe connected us in this amazing way to create this beautiful, forever lasting friendship. And just thank you so much again. It was so lovely having you on and I'm excited to see more of your work and to see you grow into the amazing healer that you are and what you're going, how your healership is going to evolve. And I'm excited for more collaborations. Yes, And it's the same thing with Reiki. Oh my God. We've talked about it. So yeah. we'll see how that manifests. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, bye. Bye.